friends, welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sorars, and today, the last Friday of the NFL regular season, we are here, of course, to discuss the National Football League, make some picks, have some win and in scenarios, have a few chaotic scenarios, but in reality... This is your last chance to make the dance. If you haven't clinched a playoff spot yet and you want to get in that tournament and you want to have to go through Lambeau Field or maybe Orchard Park, New York or Nashville, Tennessee or Kansas City, Missouri, you want a chance at at a Lombardi? Your journey has to start this weekend if you haven't clinched a spot yet already. There are several teams with a chance to play their way in few teams that need some help from other teams but still have an opportunity to play their way in based on what happens this weekend and we'll get to discuss it we'll go through we're not going to linger too much this won't be a particularly long episode there are several games with not really any interest aside from degenerate purposes we'll make a few picks we'll do a little gambling talk because gambling is getting legalized in new york on saturday morning it'll be going live for mobile sports betting so you can download the apps i'll give you a little bit of advice And, of course, we're really going to focus on what makes for the best playoff field, because that's what I care about at this point. If you listened to Thursday's episode, yesterday's, I highly encourage you, if you haven't, you you know my New York Giants are are not even in the modicum of a playoff discussion. The Giants have been eliminated from playoff contention since Halloween for the fourth straight season now, so this is purely about having fun for the month of January and then the Super Bowl and before football goes away for six months because it's going to be a long football offseason. Like I always say, like I always say, you only get, now you get 17 because there's 17 games, there's 18 weeks. You only get 18 bites of the Red Zone sandwich. This is the last Sunday of NFL Red Zone until next September. Savor your time with Scott Hansen. Savor your time with Scott Hansen. Enjoy every last bite of the sandwich. Even the cutaways to Mike Lennon against the Washington football team. Or I don't even know who the Bengals backup quarterback is that's going to be playing for Joe Burrow against Case Keenum because Baker Mayfield isn't playing for the Browns either. So there there are going to be some toilet bowl-worthy games that get fl- cut to on red zone on Sunday because that's just the nature of Week 18. Teams can arrest people if they don't need to play for seating or if they don't want to play for seating in the case of the Bengals who are going to rest guys because they're kind of dinged up but that's enough of the spiel the introductory monologue type do gotta say be really great if you could support the show whatever podcasting platform you like to use apple podcast spotify soundcloud stitcher google play whatever podcasting platform you're using please subscribe to the show that stuff helps if you're already subscribed unsubscribe resubscribe that helps too that counts any subscribing helps on top of that if you have an extra second if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify please leave a review for the show reviews help the show chart if we get enough reviews we can chart the show and that'll help more people find it who are just casually scrolling through their favorite podcasting platform that stuff helps me out more 
people that find it, the more listens we get, the, it opens up more opportunities for me to do some more exciting things. Going to try and line up some guests for next week so it's not just me talking for 30 minutes each night. I do have some ideas waiting for a few people to get back to me, but at the very least, we got the ball rolling. Okay, I'll see you guys in one second. We're going to talk some NFL. We're going to have some fun. Scared money don't make money, you know. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Pay him. Pay that man his money. And Webb is going to try to avoid getting sacked in the end zone, and he can't. And that's going to create a safety. (laughs) And that's going to end end the game. And you know why I'm laughing, don't you? Yeah. Of course you do. There are some people happy, some not so right. happy. And there are some like going, I can't believe what just happened. In the league where they play for pay. We will jump on into it. We will start first game. There are two Saturday games again this weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs are 11.5 point favorites going to Denver. Denver is without their best defensive player, Patrick Sertan. The second, Denver probably going to end up with Drew Locke again at quarterback. The Chiefs have the possibility of winning the one seed if they win and Tennessee loses or draws in their game. And then there's a more convoluted way where if Kansas City ties and there's some other stuff that happens around them. But for all intents and purposes, Kansas City wins. They get Tennessee to lose to Houston. I doubt it happens. Tennessee already lost to Houston once. I imagine Mike Vrabel will have his guys up for it. But I imagine Kansas City going to be playing they're going to have their starters out there they're going to be trying to have their offense in a nice rhythm going into the postseason i know we've seen teams there are a few approaches to play week 18 now i was going to say 17 but there are a few approaches to what play this last week of the season if you're a team that knows it's going to be in the playoffs ideally you want to have your starters in there a half build a nice lead or in the case of what the bills did last year against the dolphins hang a 50 burger on them You want to have your offense in a nice rhythm going into the postseason to build some confidence, to try out some things, to get some more secondary players in the offense, guys further down the depth chart involved. You want to be able to break some things out. That way you know what you have for the playoffs. You want to iron out any kinks. You want to test some things out. This last game of the regular season is a good place to do that. And then in the case of Kansas City, who's playing a Denver team that's got pretty much nothing to play for, has a coach that may or may not be fired in Vic Fangio. I think this was a good spot. I don't think you can bet Kansas City minus minus 11.5. There are some enormous numbers this weekend because these aren't great matchups, but Kansas City is notorious for not covering as big favorites, especially double-digit favorites. I, I know Denver is very depleted and Drew Locke is pretty bad, but... That just seems like a really big number in a game where Kansas City might pull its starters in the second quarter. If they, if Tennessee gets out to a big lead, Kansas City very well could pull guys and say, let's not risk anybody, any of our starters. We can't risk it. We need them for next week. Very likely that's on the table. And then the other Saturday game, the Dallas Cowboys going to Philadelphia. Dallas is a five-point favorite. Both of these teams are in playoff spots. Neither of them can move up. I will be curious to see how much of which team plays. I imagine both teams will start their starters, and based on how the game goes, 
you could see team either of these teams pull guys out trying to avoid injury. Philly has got to be careful. They need to keep Jalen Hurts alive. If Jalen Hurts gets hurt, I won't rule out Gardner Minshew winning a playoff game because it would be very NFL for that to happen. But for Philly to have any chance in a playoff game, they're going to need Jalen Hurts doing superhuman things in that offense, doing a lot of quarterback running stuff that Gardner Minshew is just not going to be able to do. So I imagine Philly going to be taking it easy on the quarterback runs, might try and experiment a little bit more in their passing game, try and get Devontae Smith a little bit more involved. they got to get more out of him. He's been very good when they've used him. I believe he's close to 1,000 yards receiving on the season, but I'd like to see more out of him because he's good. Uh, I know they run, they're run. they probably the best running team in the league. I'd like to see a little bit more, to be honest with you. I want to see a little bit more passing stuff. You're going to have to throw at some point to win a playoff game. It took Lamar and the Ravens a little while to win a playoff game because they had a hard time catching up, playing from behind. So let's see you, Philly. If you get in that playoffs, if you get it, when you get in those playoffs, you're probably looking at a first-round game against the Rams, Tampa, or the Cardinals, depending on how the NFC West shakes out. All of those teams, I think, will be favored over Philly. I do think Philly could give Tampa some trouble, which would be very entertaining. But I've talked enough about a game that doesn't particularly matter. It's This game's about seeding. I believe Dallas can move up to the two seed if they win, but I might be wrong on that. I don't have the seeding in front of me. I just have the playoffs and the games in front of me, but digress, digress. Next, this is one of the games that will not be talked about for more than 30 seconds. Cincinnati and Cleveland. Cleveland is starting Case Keenum. Cincinnati is not starting Joe Burrow. I imagine Jamar Chase and... T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd probably won't play. I imagine they'll rest guys like Trey Hendrickson and Jesse Bates on defense because Cincinnati's going to need all their dogs. I I know there's a possibility here of them getting the one seed, but they also need three other teams to lose, so that doesn't seem pretty likely. So it's a good call here. You saw Joe Burrow get dinged up at the end of the Kansas City game last week where he got the shit knocked out of him. His leg was hurting. He was kind of limping off, but he he says he's fine. An extra week off is good. You want Joe Burrow all the way healthy because you need Joe Burrow on his Superman shit if you're going to win a playoff game. With that defense that is kind of suspect, it's been okay this year because it's been able to force a few turnovers, and the offense can drop 30 points pretty easily. So that's all I got to say about that. Oh, Joe Mixon on the COVID list, I believe, which is a problem. So got to make sure he can test out by the next playoff game. A lot of things to iron out there for Cincinnati about availability and health going into a playoff game. Next, Green Bay going to Detroit. Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to play in this game after the game this past weekend. I don't know if they're actually going to play their guys. They're only three-and-a-half-point favorites at Detroit, which tells me Green Bay probably not expected, at least based on this betting line, to keep starters in particularly long. They already have the one-seed clinch. I imagine Aaron Rodgers in the first team one quarter, maybe, just to kind of make sure you don't get any rush before the bye week you have as the number one seed. Detroit, I'll, everybody and their mother is going to pick Detroit on the money line in this game based on the fact that Jordan Love is going to come in with not good receivers and maybe some back and probably the first team offensive line. But I imagine there will be a lot of Detroit Lions money line optimism out there. Bears, Minnesota, the fired coach bowl. Vikings are the home team for the Bears. Five and a half point favorites. Both Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer could be fired by the end of Sunday. 
I'm very curious to see if either of these teams even puts in a modicum of effort. We saw the Bears thoroughly wax the Giants last week, and that's because the Giants are horrendous. I imagine Minnesota is going to play with... If I had to guess one of these teams is going to get up for their coach to try and save their job, I would say Minnesota. But based on how last week went against Green Bay with Sean Mannion and how Mike Zimmer kind of talked about Kellen Mond and how he's been about Kirk Cousins this year, about Cousins not getting vaccinated, I I see a world in which Minnesota either doesn't try at all because they know Zimmer's fired or Zimmer knows we win this game, I can talk my way into another year. Those are probably the only two tracks for this game. I don't see a world in which the Bears come out on fire and win this game convincingly. If anything, this is probably an ugly game that's played at like 75-80% speed because neither of these teams have anything to play for. Nobody wants to hurt anybody. Washington coming to MetLife Stadium to play Mike Lennon and Joe Judge's Giants. Washington, with nothing to play for, is a 7-point favorite. The Giants' offense is non-functioning. They had negative 10 passing yards last week. I hope Washington wins by 50 points. I genuinely hope Washington... I hope Taylor Heineke balls out. I hope he throws for 450 yards. Or if it's Kyle Allen, I hope he throws for 450 yards and five touchdowns and Joe Judge loses and Joe Judge's stupid fucking card heart hat gets fired. I'm fucking sick of Joe Judge. He's an embarrassment. He makes everybody affiliated with the Giants organization look worse. I want Joe Judge gone from my life. Washington scorching them would be a very, very good way to make that happen. I hope they do. Seven is kind of a big number for a team that is starting Taylor Heineke or uh, Kyle Allen, but the Giants don't have an offense unless the quarterback for Washington totally self-immolates and we have a pick six or a fumble six, something like that. I don't see a world in which the Giants can even break 10 points in this game. And just over the course of a game, I imagine Washington will wear out the Giants' defense, which is what's happened the last few weeks. The Giants' defense hasn't been horrendous, but if the offense cannot get first downs, the defense is just on the field too much. That, that happens. Good defenses get tired. The more snaps you play, the more tired you get. Next, Indy Annapolis going to Jacksonville. Indy 14 and a half point favorites against Trevor Lawrence and Daryl Bevel. I feel like 14 and a half is a lot of points for a team with Carson Wentz at quarterback. I know that sounds kind of facetious and like me being a sarcastic ass, but I don't think they're covering 15. I know Jacksonville is basically dicks in the wind. Nobody cares at this point, and they're going to probably phone this game in, but 15 points is a lot of points. Uh, Indy could get out big, and the backdoor cover at 14 and a half, that's a big number, man. That's a really big number. You could do an absolutely disgusting teaser with that and one of the other games that's a little bit further down my board here, but Indianapolis, 14 and a half. Maybe they go all in trying to get Jonathan Taylor the MVP. They get him some red zone opportunities, let him carry the ball a lot, score couple touchdowns like they did a couple weeks ago against Indy. I really would like to see I really would like to see there's a world in which Jacksonville beating Indy really opens up a Pandora's box of scenarios here. I would hope I hope it happens for Trevor Lawrence's sake, but I can in good conscience think Jacksonville's going to win this game. And even 
15 seems like a big number for a team that's very checked out like Jacksonville is right now. Next, Tennessee hosting Houston. 10 point, excuse me, Tennessee going to Houston. Houston already has beaten Tennessee. Tennessee can win the number one overall seed. Tennessee is expected to get Derrick Henry back this week. And if not this week, he'll definitely be ready for the first playoff game. Tennessee can win this game without Derrick Henry. Tennessee should win this game without Derrick Henry. I know Davis Mills and David Culley are getting a nice little bit of buzz right now in discussions amongst the conventional legacy football media. But Tennessee win this game, get the number one seed. Move along, man. I mean, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. They're going to need Kansas City and New England and Cincinnati to lose for Tennessee to win the one seed. But it shouldn't take that much effort for Tennessee to win this game. Ten points seems a little high, but I feel like that's very doable for this offense that's played pretty well here down the stretch. Next, another game with no playoff implications. The New Orleans Saints going to Atlanta to play the Falcons. The Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites. This is an ugly game, man. This is an ugly game. Two teams with not a lot to play for. Both these coaches are safe. I imagine these. this is one of those games that will be played at half speed because nobody wants to kill anybody. Maybe Taysom Hill will do something stupid so we can see it on red zone. But other than that, not really a whole lot to say here. If you're betting this game, you're really a degenerate because this game could absolutely go either way. And if you're betting on any game involving the Atlanta Falcons at this point in your life, Unless you're like brand new to gambling, I just don't I don't know what you're doing, man. I just don't know what you're doing. I mean, as much as I bemoan listening to Cousin Sal and Bill Simmons at this point, it, Cousin Sal has been complaining about the Falcons losing him money since I was in high school and I'm 24 and I turn 25 next month. So let's stop betting on games that involve the Atlanta Falcons, okay? Just let's flat out, let's stop doing it as a society. Let's get that game off the board at all the major sports books. Now, this is a true sicko game. The Jets going to Orchard Park, New York to play the Bills. 16. The Bills are 16-point favorites. The Bills can win the AFC East, which would be good if it helps them get a higher seed. They'll have a home game. Buffalo is um, been... I don't want to say... I'd say Mercurial. They've been a Mercurial team where they've been very hit or miss depending on who they've played. They've had some weird games like them losing to Jacksonville when they couldn't break 10 points. They've struggled to run the ball with any real efficiency, especially... That's really an issue in the red zone. It's not particularly an issue from a game planning perspective. You can run an offense if you can't run the ball, but it becomes a problem in the red zone when you can't move the ball three yards on the ground without it being your quarterback. Because that's the thing. When teams play the Bills, they know Josh Allen is going to be the desi- going to be the main ball carrier in the red zone, and that takes away an element that you need to be good in the red zone. 16 points is a lot of points. The Jets have been playing a lot better down the stretch here. They've looked decent two weeks in a row now. Uh, I can say that because I've seen them in person the last two weeks. They were pretty good against Jacksonville, and then they should have beaten Tampa. They they very clearly got they got Tom brady and yes, I made Tom Brady a verb here. They got Tom brady Jets very easily could cover 16, especially if Buffalo gets out to a big lead and lets the Jets in this back door into this game. 16 is a big number. I know there are some absolute psychopathic degenerate out there who's thinking of teasing the Jets down to 22 and 22 and a half 
teasing um, Jacksonville to 20 and a half and just watching to see if they can win the ugliest teaser of all time. I'm not going to recommend you do that. You shouldn't be betting anything on the Jets. If you're like in high school and you bet like a dollar on the Jets, fine. But if you're a grown adult who like gets a salary and has direct deposit, you should not be betting on the Jets. You just shouldn't. In any, even in teasers and money line parlays, if the Jets were playing in Al- playing Alabama, the Crimson Tide, I could not, in good conscience, advise you to bet on the Jets. Just on principle alone, I could not advise you to bet on the Jets. Don't tease the Jets to twenty and a two, please. Just don't do it. Don't do it. That's disgusting. Next, this one is interesting. This has playoff implications. San Francisco going to the Rams. The Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The 49ers, with Kyle Shanahan, have beaten Sean McVay's Rams five straight times now. San Francisco win this game. They're in the playoffs. Or if the Saints lose, they're in the playoffs. San Francisco, a lot to play for. The Rams have something to play for here. The Rams can win the division if they win this game or if the Cardinals lose. So let's see it here. This is a game where both teams have an opportunity to help their playoff agendas here. The Rams win the division. That means one home game. The 49ers win. They don't have to worry about the Saints beating the Falcons, which fuckery could happen in a Saints-Falcons game in December with nothing to play for. That's all I'm going to say about that. So I imagine this will be an interesting game. I like to think... I like to think the Rams probably win this game, but I've been saying that for a few times now. I don't think San Francisco, as currently constructed, has enough talent to win a Super Bowl. I think they're probably at least one defensive player away, if not two. They probably need to figure out how they can make Trey Lance an NFL starter, even though I'm very high on Trey Lance. i got to see it from him before they're actually a contender. The Rams, this is the year. Because they're going to lose Odell, they're going to lose Von Miller. This is the year for the Rams. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, the 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 chatter will start. I will not be one of the people saying Sean McVay should be fired for trading, wanting to get Matt Stafford and overhauling and just making the roster extremely top-heavy. I will not be one of those people. There will be mouth-breathing people who want the Rams to get rid of Sean McVay. Four and a half, that's right there in the Vegas zone. I lean San Francisco getting four and a half. That's not terrible, especially considering the types of games these two have played. The last time these two teams played, 49ers body bagged them. I believe that was Monday Night Football. That might have been Sunday Night Football, but it was definitely an, it was a primetime game where they were the only two teams that were playing at the time. I imagine San Francisco is going to try and muck this game up. They're going to try and not have the ball in Trey Lance or Jimmy D's hands as much. Lots and lots of Debo. Not sure if Jimmy G is going to start or not, but they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, four and a half is a decent number. I don't hate San Francisco there. Patriots going to Miami. New England, six-point favorites. New England can win the AFC East if they win this game. They've had some hard times in Miami, New England has. The last couple times, it hasn't been an issue. But going back through your memory banks, there's the Wildcat game, the Miami Miracle. There's a handful of times that the Dolphins, with no real talent, have inexplicably beaten New England. Brian Flores is the only Belichick assistant who has a decent record against him head-to-head. 
New England should win this game. I mean, Miami has been pretty meh all year. They definitely need a quarterback. They need a whole offensive line. They've used a lot of assets trying to build an offensive line, and it's still pretty fucking awful. So Miami is going to be one of those teams to watch in the offseason. I want to say this feels like an easy New England game. But six is a big number. Teasing this down to a pick is not terrible if you want to have them in a tease, but I'm always a little weary of picking New England when they're playing down there in Miami. There's just something about it when those teams link up down there in Hard Rock Stadium. Weird things happen. Like Trump said, bad things happen to Philadelphia. Weird things happen to Miami, okay? Weird things, not bad things, but that'll be an interesting game. See how long New England is pushing it to the metal if they get information about the other games, but... I imagine New England's going to play down to the wire here. They can win this game, win the division, home game in Foxborough. That helps them. Seattle, with nothing to play for, going to Arizona. Arizona, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Arizona needs to win to get into the playoffs, and they need the uh, Rams to lose. That's what they need. That's their recipe to guarantee their way in. Arizona got off to a very fast start. They've kind of sputtered here down the stretch. The Cliff Kingsbury dialogue about he had the same problems at Texas Tech. He's had the same problem all three years in Arizona now where team gets off to a good start, struggled down the stretch, lack of adaptation, inability to overcome situational factors. I know they've been without DeAndre Hopkins for a while. I know they've been missing Kyler Murray for a decent chunk of the season. But at some point, Cliff needs to develop an offense more than just Cliff. I need you to go make a play for me here, Kyler. They need to develop an offense that's more than that. And until they do that, teams are going to be able to... They're not going to be able to totally stop what the Cardinals want to do on offense because Kyler is so dynamic. But they're going to make it harder for them to score. And that's been the thing. And Arizona's defense is nothing to write home about. I'd like to see them bolster that defense. I know they've got some individual guys, some up high, high upside guys like uh, J- Chandler Jones and Buda Baker. Of course, Isaiah Simmons, who I'm still high on, even though he hasn't totally formed the perfect job- role yet. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Arizona win this game. It would be fun if Kyler Murray could make the playoffs, but I think this might be it for Seattle. I think. This is the last stand for uh, Pete Carroll and the Russell Wilson uh, duo up there. I don't think they'll bring back both. I think it's either one or the other. There's a world in which they ask Pete Carroll to retire and they let Russ pick the coach and they stink because Russ does not have the best judgment. I mean, he's the one who wanted Shane Waldron to be the OC and that offense is still very bad. And the defense has played better down the stretch. I was reading something in The Athletic the other day and it was kind of weird to see that the defense was playing better even though there's no talent on the defense to speak of. I was very surprised to see that, but uh, Arizona 6.5. I feel like this is a classic NFC West game that ends in the teens. This is a 17-13 kind of game. Something that makes everybody who's watching Red Zone frustrated when they cut to it for a fourth and two that neither team goes for ends in a punt. And they have to show a punt because there's no other live football. That's the vibe I'm getting from this game. Carolina, with nothing to play for except draft position. Maybe Cam Newton's last game is a Panther. Indeterminate if it's going to be Cam Newton or Sam Darnold as the starter for Carolina. There is starting to be some chatter about Matt Rule maybe getting fired. 
Maybe the NFL coaching carousel heats up a little bit here and we see something weird happen. The Jim Harbaugh news makes me think that maybe Matt Rule. I don't think Matt Rule would take the Michigan job, but there's a world. One of the parallel universes out there. Jim Harbaugh comes to the NFL. Matt Rule leaves the Panthers for Michigan, does the history four-year plan there, and then resets and tries to get back to the NFL again. But it's very clear that the quarterback problems and the offensive problems in general for rule are serious and I was reading something yesterday in the athletic that there are just certain things that other teams around the league are looking at about Carolina that they don't like there's too many guys from Baylor and Temple that played for rule in college who wouldn't be on other NFL rosters who are there rule has really tried to act like he's everybody's friend and he's had some issues with trying to keep everything in line even though things aren't going great it was a good article i highly recommend reading it the athletics football coverage is amazing the other sports it's very hit or miss but the nfl and college football there's very good reporters at the athletic i like tampa i think tampa probably covers this number because carolina's offense is an abomination with Darnold or Cam Newton. They just cannot throw the ball, even though there are genuine NFL talents out there like DJ Moore and um, Robbie Anderson, who are both pretty damn good receivers. But that offense is just non-functioning without Christian McCaffrey. Tampa is down to Mike Evans and Gronk. That's all they're going to have on their offense trying to repeat. Don't know if, when Leonard Fournette will come back. It's going to be ugly, man. They have Tyler Johnson, the one wide receiver, to go with them. The guy who caught the touchdown against the Jets, whose name I cannot pronounce, even though I heard it a couple of times. But bad radio. I'm just going to pretend I said his name right here and continue because I don't want to linger on a game that doesn't particularly matter, a game where we very well could see Tampa pull the starters in the third quarter because it is so out of hand. Last game, the one that all of the football nerds have been talking about all week because People like me want to see the Jaguars win their game against the Colts. And then both of these teams agree to uh, kneel out the clock for four quarters, end the game in a tie, and then both teams qualify for the postseason. I'd very much like to see that happen as a football nerd because it would be the smartest thing to do for both of these teams. And neither team would do it, though. Neither team would do The NFL wouldn't let them do it, but it would be the smartest thing possible. But... Football guy, you can't do, you can't, no, we, we, we respect the game of football too much. Like, I love Brandon Staley, but even him giving me, we love, we respect the game too much to do, come on, man, you know you want to make the playoffs, and all, nobody gets hurt, everybody's fresh, no miles, you don't have to burn a game plan, that sounds great to me, that sounds like the dream as an NFL head coach. Okay, real quick, we'll do the gambling spiel. Handful of sportsbooks are getting approved to offer mobile sports betting DraftKings, FanDuel MGM and I believe Caesars is the fourth one if you don't have an account already from driving to New Jersey and have one, a legal one set up it's very easy to set up an account but you do need some information to set it up you need some things you might not have readily available but take care of that stuff make an account on all four apps have the ability to shop around to look at lines on all four sports books. That's the first and most important practice rule I can give you in terms of gambling. 
Look at multiple sports books and find the best line available because the different books will offer different lines trying to keep you invested. The more lines they offer, the be- some books are better for certain things. Some sports books have better prop lines. Some have better game lines. Some have better over-under totals. All of this stuff you need to shop around for and try and find the best value possible if you're going to bet your hard-earned money. Number two. This really should have been principle number one, but don't bet more than you can lose. Please, please, please. Please, please, please. Gambling is fun. It's entertainment. It is not a profit-turning industry. If there were people who were actually good at gambling as a full-time job, there would be more than like 50 of them, and they wouldn't all live in Las Vegas, and they wouldn't all be relying on algorithms. It is possible to be a good gambler. Know when to stop. Do not chase your money. Have a set amount you're comfortable betting every single week. And that's it. Don't go chasing. Do not go chasing. That is when you get into trouble. It's good. That's one of the few benefits of legal sports betting is they won't offer you credit so you can't end up in a hole that some local books or some personal bookies would offer you. But that's good. Okay. Real quick. Three picks. San Francisco, plus four and a half against the Rams. Shanahan owns McVeigh. That's all I got for you. That Easy. Never say easy about a pick, but easy. Cleveland? Do I dare say Cleveland, Case Keenum, against the Joe Burrowless Bengals? I think I kind of have to because I just cannot name the Bengals' backup quarterback. And if the Browns even have a sense of irony about the season they just had. They'll come out and smoke them with Case Keenum and full well knowing they should have played Case Keenum the entire season and didn't. And then, number three, Washington minus seven. The Giants are dead and Joe Judge is a fucking bozo. I can't wait. I hope the Washington football team wins by 50 points. Those are the three picks. Just real quick, I really do hope We have a good last weekend of football. I will talk to you guys on Monday. We'll do a little bit of recapping, and then we'll preview the national title game. Alabama, Georgia, for all the marbles, Alabama is a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, and I think we have to bet with Nick Saban and the Tide, but we'll talk about it on Monday. I'll see you guys then. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the football. Oh, and yeah, R.J. Barrett called bank!